Introducing the Psychic Guys. Where real practitioners grab the woo-woo by its cute little devil horns and squeeze out a sense-making smoothie of scintillating sagacity. Coming to you from the frontiers of the mysterious, we don't just talk about it, we do it. Then we talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Psychic Guys. Tonight we're discussing recent developments around the whole UAP disclosure thing, but specifically how this relates to psi, psychic functioning, telepathy, and remote viewing. Your hosts, David, Brett, and Daz, are here as normal, but we have a change to our regular Josh. So tonight we're joined by Alternative Josh. Welcome, Alternative Josh. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> hey, Josh. <laughs> so Daz, I know you're you're a real expert in this field. You've been there following the whole UFO thing for decades, right? So can you for me, I don't know anything about this at all. This isn't my neck of the woods. So could you give me like the five minute layman's idiot's guide? Just summarize that <laughs> three decades of research down into Easy, right? Yeah. Easy. Back of a napkin level <laughs> summary for me. Okay, well there's it's you know no pressure. Oh, the three de- well, the last seven decades has been essentially the American government and all other governments hiding uh, the fact that UFOs are real and aliens are real from the rest of us. So that's like the overview of the last 70 years. Uh, but the last couple of weeks, um, they've gotten really intense and really hot because, you know, the American uh, government are trying to pass these new whistleblower laws. Um, it's in Congress at the moment being batted back and forth. Um, and... That's going quite well. It's the Schumer kind of laws and stuff they're trying to do at the moment. We do have some Republicans that are uh, opposing it at the moment. Um, and some of the reasons they come up with are actually quite valid, I think. Um, but essentially, you know, you, when you look at the backgrounds of these people as well, they're also uh, heavily endorsed and supported by the military-industrial complex. So, you know, makes, that makes sense. Yep. Um but at the same time as all this is happening, you know, we had the pushback. A lot of people want, you know, especially in UFO Twitter, they wanted the, the laws to just go, you know, sailing through, but they didn't. Um, but I like the fact that that happens because it means that they've, uh, UFO uh, researchers have pushed back. And uh, also in the same week, we had um, David Grush, you know, the, the main whistleblower and all this. He went on the Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, he talked about some real good details. You know, he talked about how many crap, he said that, craft that have been recovered by the u.s government are in double digits he talked about you know when it when it first started happening that uh senator uh, harry reed was heavily involved in doing all this you know huge amounts of stuff i got a big bullet list of stuff that he came out with you know really amazing stuff um and he didn't get to this by joe rogan as well at, at the time anyway so all this was happening that 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 started the week and then literally two day two or three days ago Actually, I think it was two days ago now. There was an article in the uh, new UK paper first. Uh, not a very good paper, but it, you know it's a it's a mainstream paper, the Daily Mail. And this was another um, this was another first really, and it's an article that had three uh, CIA uh, sorry three whistleblowers talk about how the CIA uh, has a special office called the Office of Global Access. And essentially what they do is they're crash recovery teams. So they go out and they recover the UFOs. And, you know, these three whistleblowers from three, you know, three totally different sources have all 
contributed this information. They so they've given us the head of the you know of this global uh, office of global access. They gave us the logo where it is, where it's situated. They said that you know they've recovered at least nine UAPs. Two of them are intact. Everything else is broken. The two intact ones, interestingly, um, the whistleblower or the whistleblower say the two intact ones are from archaeological sources. I find that really interesting. Does that mean they're you mm. know they're new archaeological stuff or, or are they literally thousands of years old? So there's lots of questions there, but at the same time, it's put a lot of people on some new pathways to what the CIA have been doing, and they're asking questions about the CIA now. So it's caused quite a lot of disturbances, I would say, within UFO Twitter and, and UAP land. Um, and it's also caused this new term that people are bounding around as well, which is uh, catastrophic uh, catastrophic disclosure. And they're, sen- they're essentially oh. saying we're, we're at a stage now that if the American government and the other governments don't get their acts together and start disclosing the stuff, then the stuff's coming out such thick and fast and through so through so many unofficial sources that it may have a catastrophic effect rather than them being able to to have a bit more of a soft landing approach. So that's pretty much it in 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 a nutshell. So huge amounts have come out, great strides. Uh, we still don't have a craft. Uh, you know, me and David have talked about this. You know, it's still third party people talking about seeing things and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I do feel that. The information coming from all these different sources is overlapping a bit like RV information does. You know, you get the overlaps and you get to see the good stuff. So I do think we're making some really strong headway. And I think the people that have been doing this cover-up for these last 70 years, I think in some ways they are starting to panic a little bit because uh, if this comes out the way we think it's going to come out and it reveals what it reveals, it would also reveal a lot of criminal activity that's gone on and misappropriation of funds, for decades, criminal activities, maybe even if the rumors are led to be believed, people being harmed and killed for, to keep secrets and stuff. So, very interesting stuff. I think it's pretty interesting how, after listening to David Grush, I think that's how you say his last name. I think it's Grush, um, isn't it? Oh, is it Grush? Okay, yeah. So, is it? He, you know, he's, before he's we in go his... further, let's get it right. That's what do you think? Uh, it's Grush, I think. Grush, other yeah, David Grush. Grush. Grush is what's widely reported, right. I think. Let's, it. let's go with so, that then. Yeah. We'll go with that. So, you know, I watched uh, several of his interviews, and the guy seems very genuine and very forthcoming. And the thing that really stuck out to me is he's really not part of the old guard. He's a he's a younger guy. He was very serious. He's very brilliant, really talented, but when he talks about this and why he said that he could not sleep, you know, live with himself if he didn't let this out because this was just too big of a thing. Whereas if you go to these old guard guys that are, you know, pushing 70 plus that have maybe been in this since the beginning, they have a very different mindset about this type of stuff, it seems. Whereas the the younger generation is like, no, how could you possibly keep something like this from humanity this is humanity's this is important for humanity to know who are you to say that they're not allowed to have this kind of information and i think that that is 
that's refreshing to see and hear. It's promising because I've been very pessimistic about this whole disclosure thing since the beginning, especially since a lot of the people that were coming out seem to still really be a part of this old guard. <laughs> like, oh, we'll give you what we feel we want to give you. And it's like, well, how much of that can you really trust? How much of that is being a half-truth or manipulated? So I've been pretty jaded, to be honest, for the, for the most part, on this, the idea of even disclosure. And there's there's other reasons for that, which I'm sure we'll go into later. But Grush, I, I'm really excited. I hope there's more people like him because he seems genuine. He comes across as authentic to me. And I mean, the guy, he even said in interviews, like I've, he's, he's, he's bombed his whole career for this, but it doesn't matter. It's this is too important. So he couldn't, you know, go to his grave <laughs> with this. And I'm, I hope more people who are younger do that. So um, I don't know. I think it's, that's exciting, but that's my kind of initial take yeah. on Grush you know, and just my impression of him. I'm so jaded about this thing as well, because it's just like loads of people saying loads of stuff. And then you have people who, I don't know, maybe maybe we might name that particular guy later. Um, but you have people who are doing just made up nefarious stuff. And they're kind of in the same basket as the people who might be legitimate sources disclosing legitimate stuff. And it's how can you make sense of this when there's just so much noise, like the signal-to-noise problem, right? Um, I found the more I looked into this, when I had a little few months where I thought, I'm going to do a deep dive on this and see if I can work out what's going on. I know a few months does what an amateur, amateur out here, but um, I found the more that I read, the more questions I had, I didn't ever get any answers, just more questions. And then one day I heard Richard Dolan, I think, saying, um, you really got to understand consciousness to understand the phenomenon. And, it was, and that really stuck in my mind, that there's something kind of non-physical, a bit woo-woo going on here. And I, I don't understand the phenomenon, but, you know, it's like, We've got this idea of it being a physical nuts and bolts aliens and spaceships thing, but then there's all this way stranger stuff that's going on and it seems to be related. So when people come out and they're like, oh yeah, we've got crafts and we dug them up from the ground and they're made of weird metal and they have little weird creatures in them and stuff, that's all from the material side. And then my point of view on it is like, it seems to be way weirder than that. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about that. Josh, tell us the answers. <laughs> Well, I mean, you can't you can't know outside of what data you find, right? And so I mean, we're all remote viewers, so we can we can rely on our remote viewing data, right? And um I've done a few I've done a few UAP targets, uh, probably not as much as as you guys, but uh or, or Daz certainly. But um even, you know, you get some weird stuff like it it's it's almost like some of the materials themselves are alive. Like that I have I've had that at least twice where I I got this this structure but it was it was metallic and the metal was somehow sentient and and alive and it it felt very loving even it was it was a weird energy um and uh and yeah so that was that was one and then i did another one on some um uh italian uh the the friendship case i think it was called and uh, it was a really weird remote viewing experience i really got sucked into it quite quite quickly and um and i, I it was like i was seeing the the structure of this this living metal and it was it was like this crystallized kind of structure and and uh, and this word argosium came through which i've i've searched for on the internet and 
no idea what it is. Didn't didn't show up as anything really. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, you know it, what, what can you do? The, I think I think the important thing is, you know, just I think people need to develop their intuition um, to be able to kind of sift through the bullshit. You know, I think that's an important thing, um, and and will be moving forward, not just with the UFO thing, but AI and deep fakes and everything else in the world. Um, you know, remote viewing is an awesome, awesome tool to open that up. And I, I feel like I, I can trust things like, like Brett was saying, you know, you watch Dave Grush and, and, and you listen to him talk and you kind of feel the emotions behind his words and, and, and how he's delivering things. And like, I, I don't know, I, I believe, I believe the guy <laughs> from what I've seen. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I hope that's a helpful answer. <laughs> Yeah, there are a lot of very plausible seeming people where you can't you can't see any reason that a sane person would take the choices that they've ta- taken and, and go out there and say this stuff, right? Because it does seem to be a terrible idea to do this. Not least because you might yeah, get like, priced, I mean, right? But in any case, you're not going to mm, get a job yeah. very easily. Yeah, I mean, he's... You know, he was under oath too. That's that's the other argument. I think that argument's maybe mm-hmm. kind of been destroyed sufficiently at this point that oh, he's he's just lying. But you're not going to lie under oath. Like well, <laughs> if maybe. he did, he would go directly to jail. Oh, oh. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. What, but, what if it's yeah, some kind of MKO thing, is. right? And uh... yeah, who knows? I feel like you need yeah. some kind of a motive. A motive for that is you're going to mm. attribute well. If he's lying, why? He's destroyed his career as an intelligence officer by doing this. Yeah. So what is the motivation for turning your life upside down unless you really believe it? And you feel to get on Joe Rogan. Yeah. He, he, but like what is he is he selling t shirts? Like, no, like like Well, I mean, maybe maybe his I, life isn't over, right? Maybe he's got a Swiss bank account that's just suddenly got a lot of money in it and he's doing this as part of a disinfo up, right? And he's still working for the man. He's not leaking a whistleblower. So two he's points, two points info, on that. Right? I just want to put that out there, play devil's advocate. I don't believe it or disbelieve it. I'm just saying you so can, two points you on can that. <laughs> think of motivations for doing So I agree with you, Josh, that I think having a dialed-in intuition for the content that you're watching, the people you're listening to, is super helpful. And so even if you're not interested in applying this in a uh, professional sense, developing your intuition to suss out, is what I'm watching or what I'm listening to true, or is this a lie? Your intuition absolutely can help with that. Like people have been doing this since the beginning of time. So if that's not a good reason just to begin develop, developing intuition, I mean, it's, people should do that more often, I think. So I, I'm totally on board with you on totally. that one. Um, I think the other thing, though, as far as Grush is concerned, is I think that he, you know what, I actually lost my topic. I should have done, shouldn't have done two, David. I should have only done one. That was my first one. So I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you make it. I'll remember what it was. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I think Look, what we no. need to uh, remember here as well is, you know, it's not just the interviews he's given us in, in media. Um, he has actually, you know, he has actually testified, you know, under, under legal kind yeah. of observations now. And although he hasn't given us the detail, he has furnished those that, you know, have access to the detail. I guess it's the senators. 
Like the director of intelligence. Yeah. And mm. He's get them yeah. names of people involved. He's get them places where this is happening. He's give them Acor- exact- according to who? According to him and according to the senators that have actually given press conferences. Oh, okay. Well, that, right. That's pretty and good, this, right? And this actually reminded what my second yeah. thing was. And this was the, the second, exactly what you were talking about, Daz, his relationship to that, is the only thing that he may not know that we don't know is, is he being used by a group within the community that does want disclosure without him really knowing it? It's like they let him in on, they knew he was an individual who might do this in the first place and then let him in on things so that it could get out there. I mean, that's definitely massive speculation. I don't know, but it's something that is not impossible. I don't think. I think we always could be. Oh, sorry. Let's go ahead. I was just going to say, I think we definitely have to keep an open mind on that. I don't think that is the case in the, in, in this regard uh, because of the way it came out. But we also know that these are some very devious, selfish people and agencies out there. So uh, we always have to keep, uh, I think, one eye open on what they're doing very intently because yeah. there's a yeah. lot of office politics Don't take involved here, isn't there? There's a value. lot of crazy stuff that we just can't see going on of infighting. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I want the bigger budget. I don't like that guy. Whatever weird personal motives people might have absolutely that's yeah. all opaque isn't it and it's a black box that's likely yeah. to do some irrational looking stuff um i just want to take a moment to introduce dimmy because uh she was going to come tonight but she has a terrible cold and needs her sleep to recover but she's done a presentation that's giving us like a a few minutes overview that summarizes all of the the interesting stuff that david grush has said recently about from a viewing in science stuff so Hopefully that will happen now. Hi, guys. I'm here with you. Uh, but uh, as we know about non-locality, uh, I'm here with you, but not exactly here and not exactly with you at this, at this very moment. But I will be. So on Joe Rogan podcast, Dave Grush uh, has a strong and, and uh, opinion. I'm reading here between the lines uh, on that about remote viewing. So he said that we possess other skills, he said, other skills like tech skills, um, anomalous skills, um, that there were feedback loops to confirm that remote viewers saw something which was real, like the situation of hostages in Iran, or the US embassy, or the drawings of patch price of the crane and Many others. Uh, he also talked uh, talked about uh, Gary Nolan, who's studying the brain of the UAP UFO experiencer, but oh, but also the remote viewers' brains. And uh, he, he was uh, doing MRI and CAT uh, scans, uh, which showed an anomaly. Let's say at first thought to be an anomaly or a malfunction, but then he decided it's a growing area. Highlights. Uh, high, uh, which highlights uh, of those subjects involved in those two already talked um, groups. So Dave Grush is asking, well, it must be a transceiver or brain or whatever, and it's calling. It's talking about the Caudat Putemon, which is an um, an area in the middle of the brain. 
which is really narrow, but it said it's highlighted uh, when people are using their um, size skills or are engaged in UFO or UAP experiences. Joe said also it's a, that it's an emerging property of human beings, so we don't know about this more. We also talk about non-locality. He reminded about this SRS target program we've had put off, which I think has the both ends and faults in all the programs um, from UFO, UAP, remote viewing, Psy, and so many others that we don't know about it. Um, yeah. But here is a good thing and uh, a good time to talk about the late book of uh, George Nav, James Lakaski, and Con Kelher, Inside the U.S. Government Covered UFO Programs, Initial Revelation, uh, on the OSAP effort to study different areas of uh, programs uh, which involved UAP animals, phenomena, or other related animals phenomena uh, on which I just want to remind um, you about the Project Consciousness, which was the examination of the connection between the UAP, UFO, and paranormal phenomena and human mind and body. And the bottom line is that decades of research have suggested that consciousness, including telepathic communication, may play an integral role in human UAP interactions, excuse me, I, I have to drink with what? Sorry. This was kind of an umbrella organization that housed multiple programs involving telepathy, remote viewing, psychic functioning, and more. And I'm feeling compelled also to bring up here a title of a book which I read like three or four or five months ago called Above Black by Dan Sherman, an inside account of alien contact and government cover-up. He allegedly, he says it's a kind of an autobiographical uh, book. He says he allegedly, he says, allegedly, worked in a secret program called Preserve Destiny, which is, as the title said, a project between humans and aliens involving telepathic abilities. Um, which conducted uh, a series of receiving and transmitting information through the telepathic uh, way through and from the aliens to humans. So this is a very big thing. And if you um, just take into the consideration that this book might be a science fiction book, it's a really good one to read. So why are these uh, so important. I think it's important because um, Dave Grush, Grush uh, is trying to say that consciousness is very important in relation uh, between humans and aliens or ETs or, or ET crafts because uh, it's like an interface, interface uh, with which we can communicate with and from and we can also drive these crafts uh, if it is the occasion, if it is the station, or if we, in the end, like, I don't know, decades or centuries in the future, we will build them. Uh, so I think psychic functioning is a very important aspect of the UAP phenomenon. And Dave Crush is uh, alluding to that on this, on his talk.
Okay, now we're all up to date. Let's carry on. <laughs> it's for me. It's interesting as well because uh, Grush also, um, <clears throat> as Dimmy probably said, uh, you know, he one of the claims he said was that remote viewing is real, and uh, he said that it, he thinks that it might be a, a a kind of evolutionary trait that you know some people have in their brains. I'm I'm not convinced on that myself, but you know, I think everyone can remote view to one to one degree or another. But it's interesting that. It's not just him that's picked up remote viewing now. We also had Gary Nolan, um, you know, one of the world's and one of the you know, leading UAP kind of scientists that, that working all this kind of stuff. He said he tried and seen remote viewing stuff, and I think Lou Elizondo, another whistleblower in all this, that started this a couple of years ago. He also said that he's been involved to a small degree in remote viewing and seen it work and thinks it's viable. So it's really nice that uh all these you know semi you know semi good people you know we don't know their full names you know and their full kind of backgrounds at this stage but there's looking good uh are all picking up remote viewing which is you know i feel that all, all four of us are definitely interested in but it's interesting for nolan to be doing it because his wife's a remote viewer isn't she and has been for quite some time so it's it's not like he didn't know about remote viewing so it um, makes wonder be... about the timing are you mixing Nolan up with Richard Dolan? Nolan and Dolan, I am, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Carl, Nolan, yeah, they have different names. Nolan's the scientist. Uh, he, you know, he's he's working on alleged crash materials and all that kind of stuff. He also did quite a lot on the uh, hitchhiker effect. Richard Dolan right. is the ufologist and his wife. Yeah, no, that's who I thought you meant, right. Yeah. As a yeah. Nolan and a Dolan. You see, yeah. I did say at the beginning I don't know anything about this field at all, so I'm I'm struggling <laughs> here. You guys have got to carry me, it's, but it's okay. We'll it soldier. It can be up. confusing, yeah. Mm. And as, you know, you only have to go on Twitter at the moment, and Twitter is a, a watch <laughs> with all this stuff. My feed, it might well, there's a jump in. There's a. It was interesting to see the pushback on uh, on social media t directed at Grush after the Rogan interview because he brought up remote viewing because a lot of the skeptics that are much more materialistic, they only believe in the things you can touch and feel and they think consciousness is not even a real thing. Usually that's what a lot of these people believe. It's just a phenomenon of mass in your brain and it's an illusion. Uh, they don't believe in remote viewing. Even if you provide them with the, the research, the evidence, uh, examples of it working, things that you can't explain, uh, they still won't believe it that the remote viewing angle that Grush brought up, they use that as a, an attack vector on him saying, well, let's not let's totally throw out all the stuff that he's talking about, about UAPs and uh, biological, you know, pilots in these crafts. That's all must be wrong because he's talking about remote viewing which is interesting and it makes sense that people skeptics would use that because they use these types of tactics yeah. where they'll use something that they think they're going to win to ignore everything else instead of actually yeah. looking at the data but you know as we know they're not even looking at the data of remote viewing well yeah. they're it not even skeptics to watch that unfold. though are they they're not real skeptics they're like pseudo no they're not real skeptics so really no, yeah it's different i think yeah. that's i think that's a phenomenon yeah. uh brett that comes with time because uh in the 90s, when remote viewing was outed and, you know, we had the nightline kind of program and everyone learned about the reality of remote viewing for the first time, um, remote viewing had a, what I would call a higher credibility than it does now. And 
a lot of people out there like dames and you know even myself and others to a degree you know farsight and lots of others we were always linking um the study of remote viewing with you know with, with ufos because they do go hand in hand you can't deny that and at that time back then in the 90s because it was all in the press about remote viewing and the validity of it and all this kind of stuff um the remote viewing people were like no we don't want to be associated with anything to do with ufos because that's a fringe subject no one know it you know, everyone knows ufos aren't real right and now you know we're here 20 like five six years later whereas ufology because of you know the articles in the new york times and stuff it's getting some real good credibility now um the tables are turned and all those people are like saying we don't want to have anything to do with remote viewing because remote viewing hasn't had any kind of credible um media coverage since since the 90s um so they just don't know how credible it is so it, for me it, it's interesting to see how the tides are turned and now ufologists don't want to have ironic. anything to do with uh, remote viewers it's like a propaganda judo <laughs> flip <laughs> yeah i mean remote, remote switch viewing, one for the other. remote viewing has had positive media coverage but it's all been small it's never been a big topic like this disclosure thing is now because it's getting into the halls of government and there's big names yelling about it yeah uh, it makes me well think, there have been you know, concerted big... campaigns i mean you just look at the wikipedia for example and oh I mean, yeah, yeah wikipedia isn't ex exactly the the shining light of truth and, in and the it world keeps, let's it be keeps honest. getting worse doesn't it it's uh, it's <laughs> but, hilarious. but it's not just remote in wikipedia it's also the scientists the researchers on like different platforms how they're basically just uh, information is made up or twisted or distorted about their research into remote viewing by hey. uh, groups. And there are groups that specifically are out there to target what they consider fringe ideas in science. Yeah. And they go either way. They don't actually do a scientific review. They do a hit job. Yeah, and yeah. There's, that's been going on for a very long time, I feel, mm. against people who are in academia that are interested in exploring consciousness and uh oh, yeah. viewing is just one of those casualties in those fields i think the tides are slowly changing there um i was at a conference recently i hope so that had a real broad range of people from you know a lot of academic parapsychology physics but then just a really broad range of people doing practical stuff you know every, every kind of therapist and the intellectual you could you could name and Everybody across the board was saying, I really am feeling a change in the waters. More and more people are publicly admitting to being interested in this stuff. You know, more is, and it's slow, it's always been slow, but at least it is going in the right direction, which is a relief, isn't it? Because those, those hit jobs, you know, skeptic people, there's like two possibilities that I can see. One is that it's their, their religion, you know, they're defending their worldview by, um, beaten up all of these people they see as silly delusional people who think that they're psychic um and all of that good quality double blind laboratory evidence that you produced well that must be fake and wrong you know um yeah. totally um uh, or or on the other hand somebody's paying them to do it you know and, and there's there's a hidden it's definitely changing it. though like um there's one good study that i like to point to um uh, by Daryl Bem, he was uh, he did the the precognition studies. Uh, I forget I forget where it was out of, 
But um, anyway, I think he had nine different experiments. One of them was uh, having students study on a test after they wrote the test and seeing if their results improve versus versus not. And, um, and I think there's, you know, uh, showing them showing them different images and, and measuring uh, heart and brain response before the images showed up. Yeah, yeah. And then some of the images would be like, I always you think know, the one with the um, death or whatever. The one with the studying for the test afterwards, you would think that would be so popular with students that the the current generation of people going through academia would be would be really into that. Like, you mean I can study afterwards and up my grades? <laughs> I, I always I always reviewed my test answers very closely mm-hmm. after the fact, and I didn't study much before, and I always did pretty well. Yeah, think about remote viewing, right? We do <laughs> so, a feedback session after our remote viewing, the training. Yeah, right? exactly. And that really right? helps. It's really important ties the room together yeah that's interesting never thought of that mm. the pre-sentiment yeah. one though that was replicated across a crazy number like of labs like 43 times yeah. or something I, yeah I, I, I and, but he was numbers, only but so, interestingly there was a few labs that yeah. had failed replications and at least one of those was run by one of these um ideological pseudo-skeptic people and there is the argument that well, there's belief, like the experimenter effects that like the person running the experiment is yeah. effective also you know they run the experiment where they bring people in and say like uh we're going to do a psychic experiment obviously that's fake and is impossible and won't work okay now you do it you know <laughs> yeah. so they they set the scene as badly as they possibly can um Tasking really people to fail but you know, it, i think it yeah. was successfully reproduced in far more labs where it was failed to reproduce oh, and yeah. now the like the i don't know what the statistical thing is it is it the z score anyway the numbers are like astronomical that that effect is definitely there or all of these different labs yeah. are lying right and they're all colluding it's in a, a giant it's a conspiracy to make you believe in fake yeah. psychic function it was like why this is just this is just science no, it's, it's real you know it's it's so silly it, it took it took i think i think he did the, the the studies over 10 years collected all his data and then published and then he just immediately got destroyed. It was like 2009 or something like that. And I think it took until 2019 for all these other replication studies to get done and him to finally be vindicated. And, uh, and yeah, like the data's, the data's good and, and now it's a thing. So I think, I feel like that 2019, 2020 is kind of where things started to shift a bit. Um, that's kind of where I came back into the world of, of woo woo. Cause I, I followed this stuff my whole life and, and I just kind of somewhere around 2015 when all the flat earth stuff started to really come up, I was just like, okay, I'm done with conspiracy world for a bit. I need a break. And, uh, uh, I still followed whatever you have, like when the UFO stuff started coming, um, uh, like the Tic Tac video and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I do think we're on, I do think we're on the cusp of, of all of this stuff kind of coming out like people are starting to understand more about you know the quantum physics the the nature of reality everything being energy and you know that if everything is energy and we are energy like and quantum entanglement's a thing then you you know you can entangle with other energy i gotta say i am and, immensely uh, triggered by that comment I get, <laughs> oh yeah i get super triggered when people invoke the q word to explain woo woo Right. I know it's it's uh, there's you know, there's there's better just ways because it's say weird it, but, doesn't yeah. mean it's quantum like stop it not you personally I just mean in general right but I think one good thing yeah, about yeah, all no. the, the quantum physics weirdness stuff is that that really chips away at the billiard balls idea of reality right so if that stuff can be mm-hmm. real and it can be that weird 
then it's kind yeah, of forced everything's people not to just be a material. bit more open-minded, right? And it's not all like, oh, everything yeah. is made of molecules and they bounce together. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it, it's a little bit more weird, right? So, Hey, Daz, you said yeah. uh, earlier, I'm, I just, I'm curious because it's been bouncing around in my head after you said it, where you believe that remote viewing and the UAP phenomenon are linked. And I wonder from your perspective, uh, how, why you see that? I have my own ideas, but like you mentioned that. So I'm curious, why do you think that these people who are in intelligence, who are now releasing this stuff about UAP, very credible individuals, they're also mentioning remote viewing hand in hand for some reason. And you, you said it's because you feel that, and they probably feel it's in, inextricably linked. Why do you think that is? What Do you have speculations about that? Do you have any thoughts about that? I'd be curious to hear because, mm-hmm. you know, you've been in this field a lot longer than probably all of us. Um, probably uh, several streams of thought really bring me to that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of them is that, you know, some of the key players, uh, namely <laughs> Harry Putoff and, and, and his and his close cadre of friends, you know, they've been linked in uh, remote viewing research and UAP research for, you know, four, four or five decades now. Um, and they're all, you know, ex-Intel as well. Like, you know, how well, I think I think he was at NSA at one can point. I, uh, can I just interrupt and, and propose that there's no such thing as ex-Intel? Very true. Yeah, once in, always in kind of thing. So, you know, they've been heavily involved and they still are heavily involved in every disclosure that's come out, even all the stuff this week. Um, so there's that. That is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Very coincidental, huh? And, you know, there are other things like, you know, for all known recorded history, uh, I would say, you know, 90 plus percent of interactions with non-human intelligences, you know, that have been recorded across the board have been um, on, a, on some kind of psychic level or another. You know, they generally don't verbally talk to humans. You know, it is usually mind-to-mind communication. Um, and we know that, you know, humans have some kind of ability with possible mind-to-mind co- communication and, you know, also remote viewing. Um, and, you know, we have other stories like, you know, all the stuff that Ingo Swan did in the 70s to 90s where he interacted and had telepathic kind of doances with and jaws with aliens on the moon and stuff i have stuff and that was during the period where he was working with hal because i mean just for people who don't know yes. hal was the one of the lead researchers at this on the yeah. stargate program investigating and working with ingo swan the father of remote viewing yeah. on trying to figure out how this works yeah. yeah for the majority of it yeah i mean ingo did do some stuff after, all, yeah, after yeah. he left all that in the in the late 90s but yeah the majority uh and the early stuff was done uh, during the SRI years. I mean, you know, for anyone yep. who hasn't seen it, Ingo Swan's uh, book, Penetration, where he claims he was um, approached Amazing by book. Yeah, a shadowy yeah. secret government to look at um, what was happening on the moon um, with some kind of structures and, and a kind of, I would say, non-human intelligence kind of interaction. That was in 1975 onwards. So, yeah, it was very early on. So we have all that involved, and you know we have our own individual remote viewing experiences. I think probably all of us have been sent against UAPs and weird stuff on the moon, Mars, and all kinds of places, and we've all reported stuff that shouldn't that shouldn't be there, uh, and interactions with non-human intelligences and stuff. So for me, it's it's a culmination of all these strings coming together, um, and more so my you know 
because we, we all rely on our own experiences, but my experiences have been sent RV-wise against um, some of these UAP-type craft and structures, you know, uh, when I say structures, I mean like pro probable underground facilities. Uh, my personal interactions, like Josh said earlier, actually, with these um, non-human intelligence, not 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 them themselves, although I've had that, but but the craft and the technology, um, interestingly, feels like it's alive. You know, the the skin of the craft had a symbiotic relationship yep. with with the pilots. You know, they were like one kind of, um, and the it's craft, almost it, like it's made of consciousness, isn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I did a, I did a project recently, just a few weeks ago, and you know I noticed that there was a non-human intelligence. So I was describing it, and I saw that it was wearing a you know some kind of clothing. I looked at the clothing, and you know it, it looked like it was invisible because it was only two kind of like microns thick. Um, so I was exploring the clothing, and I actually felt that the clothing itself was alive you know so this clothing itself was sentient with a consciousness almost like an ai it wasn't like a human kind of consciousness it was a bit more linear yeah um, so yeah it's just it's personal yeah for me it's personal experience it's the people involved it's the circumstances of all recorded uap interactions um just shows me that there is a massive it's not just remote viewing. It's a massive uh, ESP. Would ESP be a good umbrella term for it? I, I don't know what the best psychic. Yeah. I guess there's a massive, massive psychic interaction there going on. Yeah, I have a fun story when uh, David actually ran this project, where uh, with me we were both blind. This was on the Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, <laughs> wow, that what I wild. got. That went super wild. Uh, I got a ton of data on it, but probably one of the most significant things at the site that I picked up on is I got an underground object that was in the side of a rock face cliff. And when I went down under to explore the mesa it, that they kept drilling holes into, right? And apparently um, they did that, the show, but I have, yeah. <laughs> I, I described what appeared to be a saucer in embedded in rock. And I went into this craft and just like what Josh was saying and you're saying, Daz, which is why this is really relevant, is when I was describing the actual craft itself, this thing was incredibly old, first of all. Like this was not something that just showed up. It had been there a really, really long time. But when I was describing and tuning into the craft, this object itself, I mean, I didn't know it was a craft at that point, but it, it felt like it had an awareness about what was going on in the surrounding area. And I was getting information about it where it was like, it really did not like, it actually, it, it didn't like what was going on. I was like, stop doing this stuff. What are you doing? It, like it was, it's, it's almost like I was hearing from its perspective, stop trying to poke you you silly apes you're you're poking the nuclear reactor with a stick and throwing rocks it could cause damage what are you doing stop i kept get, getting that impression and uh the other thing i got was that i wasn't sure if it was the craft itself but i also got that there was some sort of uh i don't know if it was like a dead uh pilot or something but there was a point where it's like it it, it ended up in there due to an accident like it came through from somewhere else and it didn't intend to go straight into the to the rock face and that's where it ended up and that's where it has stayed and that happened a really long time ago yeah so, it was like a giant interdimensional screw up basically wasn't yep. it and in, in your data yep. 
they overshot basically yeah it was like one of the first it's like they're using for whatever reason that location uh was an output and this was one of the first and there was an act it was an accident and so what happened instead of it coming out where it was supposed to come out it came out it appeared inside the rock so in which you know ruined the whole like it was a disaster but it's been there ever since um i think whoever was inside of it or whatever was inside of it is is long deceased or recovered possibly uh based upon just the stuff i've heard since then but uh I, yeah i mean how are you going to get a huge craft that's basically been teleported inside of rock you know what i mean like a little bit kind of challenging so that's probably why it's still there so it was just an interesting remote viewing data point that I got. And it seems like we're getting more information out that that may likely be the case. Um, I, I don't know. Have you, I haven't been following it, but I feel like I've heard something about that where one of the conclusions now is they think a UFO may actually be in the cliff face in the Mesa, which is exactly oh, what nice. I remote viewed That's last year. That's some good year. feedback, right? Yeah, nice. it's super cool. So we'll see, but. Yeah, so it's an interesting data point, though, yeah. on getting the consciousness, the awareness of the craft itself. Absolutely, it does. Because uh, I watched the TV series, um, and that that is the latest, I would say, conclusion that they're they're looking at that there is something yeah. metallic uh, embedded in in the mesa it, itself. So, yeah, that would be. I mean, if if that if that's proved, that would be fantastic feedback for your guys. That'd be amazing yeah. feedback. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would yeah. be. It kind of also leads on to, you know, some of these other things, as I said, and this isn't the first time I've heard this because uh, Bob Lazar said this as well. Bob Lazar said that the the one craft that they had that they were flying um, was from an archaeological findings. Um, and now we're getting in this latest CIA kind of disclosure type thing. They're actually saying that two, two of the ones that they saw that were recovered were from archaeological uh, resources, which is, you know, as I said, interesting and, you know, kind of ties in what with your skinwalker around to it as well. That would be archaeological. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if these things aren't coming from, I mean, this is the one theory, they're not coming from distant places in space, but they're coming from different points in time, then it could be the exact same crew group that has one from our perspective that came here 2000 years ago, that it's the same group that came here today or tomorrow. Like time is not an obstacle for them like it is to us. And, mm, um, yeah. uh, which, you know, if that's who, what we're, what we're dealing with, then I, I think most, most of us probably aren't prepared to really wrap our minds around that because most yeah. people can barely wrap around what's coming next the next day you know what i mean Absolutely. let alone yeah. an intelligence that's operating on the entire timeline of humanity's history yeah, tell me about it now, now we're getting into december and you got all the christmas people visiting and going here and there and i i can barely wrap my mind around that like to yeah. take it into dimensional i just can't cope well and th this is what I think is really interesting to consider and think about is, well, what would be the motivations for a group that has that ability? Like, why are they here? And I, I, there's a lot going on in the UAP circle where it's like, oh, it's these, it's the intel agencies that are, they're keeping all the information to themselves. They're not letting us know. And if only they would do that, everything would be great and we'd be all happy and all kumbaya. But <laughs> I never hear these individuals who are super interested in UAP talk about what Ingo talked about, which was 
it's not just that. There's a very reason why this stuff isn't known. It's because those, they don't want to be known. The groups themselves want to stay hidden. And Ingo wrote about a lot in depth about this. And he says, well, why would he, and he explored what would be the reasons for why they wouldn't want to be in the public, why they want to be in the shadow. Well, it's because they're likely doing things and operating in ways that would be, it would be less beneficial to their agenda if they were known, if they were in the public. And so, uh, and then, you know, you can extrapolate that further. Well, is the pushback and the resistance that's coming from the human intelligence agencies because the groups themselves also don't want to be outed? Are wow. they infiltrated by all these groups to a certain extent? I mean, you know, you can really go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's like, who really is against disclosure? Is it humans or is it the non-humans? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, to or me, is it the Church of Scientology? Uh, well, you know, I'm going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking about Scientology, and I and I think you guys have had this discussion with me, you know, because I've got this uh, myself, John Knowles, and and other people have got this uh, <clears throat> this Pat Price document that's been kept f secret for 50 years as well. They, yeah, um, I'd love to see that one. Uh, and I've got it, and uh, you know, it's I've read very it. Very spicy. Yeah, so you know, to give people a bit of background. Pat Price was a. Uh, a remote viewer that worked for SRI in the early 70s and then he was taken or stolen by the CIA and a few weeks after he was stolen he uh, mysteriously died with a heart attack before all this happened though um, in 1972 he did a I think a 37 page remote viewing session that's been kept uh, secret by uh, the head of SRI at the time, Harry Puthoff, and three other people. So only four people have ever had a copy of this remote viewing session. And recently we've managed to um, get a copy of it ourselves. So it's 37 pages of essentially Pat Price, who was the best remote viewer at the time, and he's still regarded as being one of the re best remote viewers ever. He was amazing. Uh, on his, uh, yeah, based on his data. He goes into great detail over 37 pages on... And he just did this on his own. He just sat down one night, one evening. He was like, oh, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow the UFOs and see what they're doing," kind of thing. Um, so he, yeah, he goes into great detail over 37 pages that had never been released on talking about facilities at the time that were uh, under uh, several different non-human intelligence control. So he and he, he claims there's more than one because at some points he details in some of the documents that they're actually fighting between themselves as well. Um, so he details these facilities and what they're doing. He talks about the craft, um, but he also in some of the in some of the documents. And bear in mind, this is 1972. He names every echelon of, I would say, our 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 social structure. So we're talking science, medical, financial, religious. He 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 names the people uh, within all those agencies who are. Um, what should I say, non-human intelligence heavily influenced in their positions. Um, and some of me, I think he may even claim they're, they're not even fully human. Um, so that's probably, some of this stuff is probably the reason why it hasn't been ever been released because, you know, you could track it back and you could actually find these people and dox them and name them. Um, we could find out who the lizard people really are. Is that you what you really could, yeah. Exactly. But it's really interesting because it does tie into you know, Scientology because Pat Price was a Scientologist as well. And some of their Scientology beliefs kind of feel like 
they might have influenced this remote viewing or maybe yeah there's a lot of ufos and aliens stuff in brett do you remember when we did that mars thing for cypher and uh, we were supposed to be remote viewing a volcano and both of us were like no 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 there's people here this is way more interesting we're going to talk about this and uh, mm-hmm. we realized that we pretty much described the plot line of science. Well, what was there. From, yeah. Well, it's what was there before the the big hole in the ground. was like, where's this huge thing come from? This is geologically weird. Yeah. We were supposed to be doing geology, and both of us were like, nope, aliens. Totally doing that instead. Yeah. Or, well, I, I did get the crater, but it was it, there was something there before, and that was mm-hmm. way more numinous. And so when there's something yeah, more yeah. numinous, this is the... the the situation where, like, for example, when Ingo and Pat Price are saying, the CIA guy was like, go remote view my cabin in Virginia. And both of them went to, I mean, there's it's just the like some silly cabin. <laughs> they went to the secret base that was a few miles away underground and described not only the base was there, not only the type of people that worked there, but they even got names of projects and it, it sparked well, that, that a five-year investigation. It? That was Pat. Pat actually read the file names and got yeah, accurate projects, um... top-secret project names, which sparked a five-year investigation into SRI because he did that. And that's just this. This is that numinosity thing. It's like, I mean, there's some dirt. I guess that's cool. But you know what's really cool? There was an entire city here that was destroyed a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we both went was zipped oh, right man. to it. That was a wild story, but it it really had echoes of the Scientology origin story. I mean, it wasn't exactly the same, but the idea of souls trying to move to another planet and bad things happening along the way and the technological aspect to it as well, which is is like a big theme with all of this alien lore, isn't it? Is the, the consciousness intersecting with technology and people, you know, and the idea of like the, the craft such as they might be, you can't fly them unless you do it with your mind, you know, and you can't be distracted or you'll crash or, you know, if you think of something, you're there. Um, what's interesting to me is like, a, a, it doesn't, it probably makes more questions than answers, but people have experiences like this, taking psychedelics um, of flying spacecraft, using their mind, going wherever they want to go. But it's in that completely non-UAP related modality of someone who's like made a really um, sort of mindful, well thought out decision to take psychedelics in a responsible way for their own kind of personal journey. And then that's the experience they have is flying what you could call UFOs using their mind. And it's really weird that in the in psychic space that that's a thing. Right, psychic spacecraft. But we know the people taking psychedelics have not been abducted. They wouldn't say they don't say I had a UFO experience or an abduction experience or an aliens experience. They were like, no, I took some mushrooms and flew spaceships, and then I then I came back and I was still in my house. You know, like what what does this tell us about the nature of the phenomenon? Because there's... so I have a oh, I, ahead, I have babe. a model. I have a model that I'd, it may be totally wrong, but it's been useful in thinking about. It, at least from my perspective, when there's actual physical craft, physical bodies in 3D material space, but then mm-hmm. we all know, since we do a lot of psychical work, that there's a whole other layer that also exists where things exist. And it's almost like there's two bands. There's the 3D band, which is where we're operating, having our human experience, but then there's like a band right above it that 
there's a lot of stuff going on in that space too. Like you just said, maybe there's a UFO craft, maybe there's a gray alien, maybe there's a reptilian, you know what I mean? A lot of people, and what what often can occur, <laughs> I think, and this is my idea with this model, is people tune into that band and they think it's on the 3D band hey, and when yeah. it's not. But yeah. what if what is operating on that no. higher band has the ability to temporarily come down into this one and yeah, then go back up shift. to it? And yeah. so it's like, it doesn't live here. It's not, it's not its base reality, but it can project. It's just how we can project our awareness and our consciousness into the non-physical space. The non-physical can project itself into the physical space. And yeah. so it's like maybe that gray yeah. alien does actually become physical matter, but where it originates from is not physical. It actually exists as a non-physical being. And I'm not saying this is, I haven't remote viewed this. This is more of like an intuitional hunch as far as mm -hmm. a, a practical model for me to try and wrap my head around what, how can both of these coexist and why is it that they're, they come and then they go, well, where do they go? Well, back and then they're all over non-physical reality. Like you, yeah. you do psychical but work. It's, you it's can like turning off the TV, right? Isn't it? You know, they're physically yeah. here. You switch it off. Whoop, they're gone. And then, yep. and then you're going, well, how can we say this is a physical phenomenon? Uh, and it's because yeah. of the assumptions we make about what physical reality is like. That if you're here, you have to stay here. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah, have to be here in the true. first place. Physical is a band. Mm. Yeah. it's And it's got sub-bands too. Like, like totally. have, you, have you guys ever like been in a session and, and you've merged with like an animal or a plant or a rock? Or y y have you guys tried oh, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff in sessions? It's actually a type of meditation. Presum presumably all of you guys have. There's a meditation you can do that comes out of oh, nice. India where you, I mean, there's other things you do, but the last part of the meditation is you take simple objects around your office or your room and you mm -hmm. identify as if you were them looking at the world out from their perspective. So like, oh, I am this cup or I am the plant oh, on my know. desk. Yeah. And what is it like to be the plant and then experience the world it's from its perspective? I it's mean, a very another way to frame that exercise. as well as like identify yeah. with is to say to kind of conceptualizes your awareness as just a thing that you can move around. We move it around when we do remote viewing, right? And what if you yeah. put it into that object yeah. so that it yeah, completely exactly. fills up the space of the object? And like, it's, it's funny, Brett and I both come across this independently from three different sources, I think, this exercise. And both of us ended up being inside our coffee cup because that's just when you look down at the desk, that's what's there, right? <laughs> ah, I am the coffee there. cup. But, you know, it's try it it's it's a really interesting yeah. experience yeah. sorry josh i didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought oh, sorry about yeah, that sorry, what were you thinking about oh, yeah, no, no yeah. i was just saying like if you you can think of kind of the same thing as we can interact with those you know things that have consciousness in them if you're of the opinion that everything is somewhat made of consciousness in some way which that's kind of my my cosmology i guess you could say um but uh we can we can with you know, projection of consciousness, conscious awareness into different sort of phases of, of, of reality, the different kingdoms of, of consciousness, you know, the quality of consciousness increases and the, and the, and the quantity as you go higher up through things, right. From a rock to a plant, to an animal, to a human, to, you know, whatever, whatever's flying or all these things around, et cetera. But, but, you know, the physical band kind of caps out, I think here maybe, and then 
you know, this, this other place, the astral, whatever you want to call it, where, where some of these sort of higher, uh, quantity of consciousness things exist all the way, you know, up to the absolute. It's like a, there's a graph. I, I can send it to you to add and post. It's from, um, Yitzhak Bentov's book. Uh, it's, it explains it all really well. He showed it anyway, as soon as you said the thing about, uh, the different bands, I, I just got that image burned into my brain of that, of that graph. Um, but so, yeah, so maybe they're, you know, they they can downshift here, but you know, we, we can downshift too, when we're interacting with other things within our, our band, but when we, when we upshift into a different band, it's a different experience. So it's like, we, it doesn't feel so much like a physical experience, at least not to me when I'm remote viewing, like it's, it may I'm, not be I have very clairvoyant yeah. kind of stuff, but it's, 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 I'm clearly like not there. I'm here and I'm, I'm seeing something else through my, my mind's eye. But yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like there's a certain threshold that we're just below and whatever this stuff is, it's up in this, this higher threshold. And I, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's going to come out pretty soon that this threshold is real and that it's there. And that's going to be part of the sort of ontological shift that we all have to deal with when, when, um, this disclosure stuff finally comes out. Cause I, I don't know how you get around saying, yeah, all this stuff is here without saying, okay, well, how did it get here? Like, where's it coming from? <laughs> Well, and 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 if the answer is something psi and consciousness related, you, you say we all have all to do it. It's really easy to forget, just because it's our day to day reality. That the, oh yeah yeah the, <laughs> we've been dealing with it forever. <laughs> no no no. I mean I mean like for people in the West that we've grown up in this kind of materialist paradigm, but this is like the first time in human history that human beings have lived in a society that has pushed out the metaphysical and the spiritual and the the woo and gone like, oh, no, How's it's it all science. You know, it's, it's a, <laughs> people kind of assume that, oh, yeah, this just makes sense. People have been doing this for ages. This is good. Look, we got iPhones mm-hmm. and jet engines and stuff. Why would we need metaphysics, right? But this is actually like a couple of hundred years, really weird, really niche experiment on Earth, which has never been done before. <laughs> and it's not working out great. So far, we got some neat stuff. We, I mean, we got some great stuff, but did we really need the stuff? You know, <laughs> on this topic, guys, um, and this is something I've been uh, mulling over for the last couple of weeks, is that um, I don't believe in I don't believe in coincidences. I don't know what you guys think on all that. No, um, but what interests me is the fact that we have all this really, you know, I think really amazing developments in consciousness and remote viewing and, you know, our understanding of it that has happened over the last couple of decades. But we're also, at this moment in time where we're at right now, I feel that we're really becoming quite confident with um, paranormal ability and consciousness, you know, and, and starting starting to kind of a little bit crack the door open on how that works. But at the same time, right now, we're also getting all this really interesting disclosure stuff happening. And then from another avenue, we are technologically, we've reached such a stage with AI now that, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, the next step for AI is AGI, you know, with, with sentience and stuff. It's For me, it's just, I'm finding it very interesting that this point or this epoch in history that we're at, that I find myself to be part of, that all these amazing things are coming together at the exact same time. I don't know what you guys think about that. 
I, I, I agree that it's probably for a reason <laughs> and not coincidence at all. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I've kind of tried to feel ahead a bit and I don't, I don't like, uh, throwing out predictions and things necessarily, but, uh, I don't know. I, I can see really, I can see things going really positively if we do it right. You know, like it's, it's going to come down to making the right decisions about all of these things. Whether it's whether it's AI and and to you know not create like a, a slave out of it like if it if it's got consciousness we need to treat it as a conscious being like a non-human intelligence right so we're get we're get we're creating our own non-human intelligence now that we interact with and and uh, there's other non-human intelligence now that we historically interacted with it's just i don't know it's like uh, is, is the singularity the right word mm, i don't know yeah but it's it's like it's it is it's all coming together at the same time and you it's have all, a whole other discussion about whether or not uh, like, what ai is other, <laughs> whether yeah, or not it would yeah, be conscious yeah. or not mm. but yeah yeah, I'm, I'm holding think... my tongue on that one. As like, <laughs> consciousness is the common thread. You don't believe next week. You don't believe AI is going to be sentient, do you, anytime soon? No, I don't. No, See, I, 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 don't think I think there's no consciousness at all in what is out there. Like, it's it's mm. all. Uh, it, I, I we go super in depth on that probably in another show. That might be an interesting discussion and yeah. yeah. propose the reasons why, um, but. Yeah, I mean, because I have I have reasons why. How you go into that another time? I, I I'm not sure if it has consciousness, but I feel that consciousness interacts through it with us. Mm. Um, I've I've had some interesting experiences, lots of interesting experiences with AI mm. art generation, where I've th yeah, like thrown remote viewing data or just intuitive hits in and seen what comes out and just been. I, I, I have a model for why that is: is that there is a random element to this, right? And how does mm -hmm. synchronicity and magic and remote viewing work? It's like the, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to say, I'm going to say the Q word, but yeah. at the oh, quantum no. level, there is <laughs> in the uh, indeterminate state, right? There's truly unpredictable events. That's why quantum yep. noise is used to secure all the encryption that makes the internet work properly and your online payments and your government secrets, everything, you know, we use quantum effects for random number generators because they're completely like mysterious and woo there's no they just come out of nowhere seemingly right um and it seems that synchronicity and magic and remote viewing and woo woo to me it seems that that stuff comes into being or manifests if you must from that same starting point right so you're using an ai image generator That's and it has point. that random angle to get into it i, I had this the other day mm -hmm. right the last episode that we did which I only put out yesterday, um, which is going to be three or four days ago, if you're <laughs> listening to this when it first comes out, uh, with with CJ, who was our guest, and he, he learned how to do remote viewing, right? And he, it was his first go, and he had his cherry popped, and he had a great time. And I was like, I haven't put a huge amount of time into all of the um, cover art, Brett has much higher standards than me. And uh, so I went on Dali 2 because I, I, I'm on the waiting list for uh, the OpenAI Pro thing, right? It was just like a podcast host with some kind of energy coming out of his head. And it drew a picture of CJ. And it looks like quite a lot like him. Like the picture of CJ in the YouTube thumbnail and the thing that Dali just spat out. It's like, that's not bad. And he had some strings yeah. from his hoodie coming down and it drew a necktie. But like it was, it was really good. 
Um, I got it to a fight and everything else that spat out was completely didn't look like him, but just that first thing was perfect. And I said, it's a sign from the universe that I don't need to put any more effort into this. So I'm not <laughs> going to. <laughs> do you think Do you think that maybe um, there's a possibility that the AI process was involved at some kind of weird woo-woo level with you consciously to give you what you needed? Well, maybe I, yeah, maybe I just manifested it. Maybe causality doesn't work in linear time because otherwise how would we have synchronicity? You know, to, to yeah. put a, a A, B, C, D linear causality to it, I think I would just end up going down a dead end there. So I prefer to just sort of wave my hands and go, ooh, like that. And that, yeah. that's yeah. my explanation. It's my story and I'm sticking to it. I mean, one of the one of the easier and still woo, but not as, as far out explanations might be that it's like, you know, and again, this is coming from my own belief, but I, I believe that, you know, the, the source of our intuitive information is like, um, the higher self or the, whatever, the part of us that is directly connected to the deep intelligence of the universe. But, uh, perhaps it's that part of us. Maybe we're just reaching out psychically with our, you know, our, whatever these energetic abilities are that we, we get to play with and, and we are through intention because we want to create a piece of AI art that <laughs> looks like this guy we just talked to. The AI knows that because of that random, well, the interface of your the intention AI and knows that random that because I'm not giving the AI credit for knowing it. Yeah. But okay, it's so more like that's, yeah, in that's the future, I have generated some AI art, which looks like this guy. And then something happens and you get to that future and it's done it. And I don't, I don't yeah. want to say what I think about what happens before then, because I don't know, but it's the same as remote viewing, mm. right? They tried to find electromagnetic waves or something or, or woo-woo waves. And like they put people in Faraday cages, they put people on submarines under the ocean where there's no signals could get through the salt water. There's no, there is no waves. There's no signal. There's not a material thing which is happening when people do this. What happens is we have some kind of event when we have a feedback event where the remote viewer has written down a bunch of stuff which describes really well the question you asked. And that's when the magic happens to me is like, it's like mm -hmm. when you get to that point in the future where I've got the AI art and it looks just like CJ and it's like, wow, great. Thanks. It's like, you get to that point in the future where the remote viewer hit your target and it's like, that was great. What happened? It's just like random mystery stuff. It doesn't matter. Does it like, cause that, that future yeah. point where the process works is what we're aiming for. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's the intention that, that drives it either way, like yeah. same with remote viewing, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating uh, avenue. I mean, I think I don't know. I'm excited to see where this UFO stuff and goes, especially with the consciousness stuff. I, I thought it was really interesting that um, going back to the Grush interview again. But uh, what was he saying that some part of the brain is is more active in remote the, viewers? The, the Cordae Putamen yeah. or Putamen, yeah. however you want to say it. So I, I thought that was interesting. I've I've always thought that like it's more of a heart energy centered source. And I think, I think the heart math stuff kind yeah. of backs that well, up. Well, that's a non, non-physical idea though, right? Whereas they're looking at the physical yeah. manifestation of this. So I kind of, they're yeah, two yeah. different 
lenses to look at it through. They're both they're both working together too, though. So it's I don't know. It's 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 so interesting, and and uh, it it'll be cool in I don't know twenty years maybe when all this stuff has been explored further. And oh, when we have all the answers we got before this is all 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 <laughs> out in the open. Let's throw some chips down. <laughs> I'm not touching that with a barge pole. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> We'll get there, I hope. <laughs> we can only wait and see. Um, but yeah, as I said, I think it's a—it's not coincidental, um, but it's an interesting epoch in human history. I'm glad I'm, well, God willing, I'm glad I'm going to be here to see see what comes out of this. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's accidental that we're reaching all this stuff at the same time. Um, and yeah, for me, it's going to be like, what's going to be the most... Um, impacting to us as we move ahead is it going to be consciousness is it going to be ai or is it going to be non-human intelligence or a mix of the both you know maybe there is massive amounts of crossover there you know that that gives me an interesting thought because i mean i'm following the ai stuff very very closely and um i'm using a lot of the tools actually as well just in my own personal work and just even in some of my more passion projects um and so the fact that the UAP and non-human intelligence, all this stuff is really coming to a head right now, coincidentally, <laughs> right? Like no coincidences. At the same time that our development of artificial intelligence is rocketing, it's every week there's a new advancement. I mean, this is this, the technology is evolving so fast that I mean, most people have no even barely any clue of what's even possible right now with AI tech. And that's going to keep happening. And so even just to keep up, it's very difficult. But what if the reason why the UAP stuff and the non-human intelligence stuff is so popular right now is because what AI is going to allow humans to pull the curtain back and see what actually has been going on? Because I don't think it's, this is maybe an outlandish claim, but I think within the next five, 10 years, AI is going to be able, to, is basically going to make most jobs totally irrelevant. It's like the human society is going to have to drastically change because AI is going to be able to do almost everything that humans typically were responsible yeah. for doing. And so where value is, where meaning is derived from, where work and career, all these things are going to have to be redefined. And it's going to be a big table overthrow if it's allowed to keep progressing. Now, obviously, there's a whole dynamic and a struggle that's going on where there's the accelerationists that are fighting the doom, the AI doomers. And they're like, oh, it's going to kill us all. Don't do it. And, and that's going to play itself out. Uh, you know, on one side, we'll be triumphant. Maybe the AI doomers will be triumphant and they'll shut down all AI progress. That's very, it's possible. I hope not. But, um, what if the the side out there that is involved with this non-human intelligence, which is directly linked to these UAPs, sees that as a possibility as it could expose them? And so this is a getting ahead of where human society is going. And mm. like I, 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 I lean I more into the idea that it's not some random old guys that are just trying to keep some information to themselves, which is the only reason that we don't have disclosure. 
I think that there is a vested interest in powers that be that are not seen, that exist within non-human uh, band that do they don't want to be known. They don't want to be seen. As well as and that, I, though, right, right? I agree people, with Ingo on that. People grow up being taught to believe that they are a human body, right? And that the yeah. consciousness arises from the um, great explanation of the brain for, I saw quoted from a child recently, which was to describe it as weird meat. You know, I can't be this weird meat right inside the skull. But that's yeah. what we're taught to think, right? So for me, the big thing is maybe... They don't want that cat out of the bag. They don't want that belief to be broken because it's much harder to control and exploit people, as you know, as happens a great deal in the in the Western system. If uh, people realize that a, you know, they're not limited to the human body, b, there's no secrets at all, and we can just go know things, and we have all of this agency in these non-physical realms. So I think it makes you very powerful to tell everybody, no, you don't, and have them believe you, right? Just like those psi experimenters who told people, we're going to do something impossible, you can't do it, it's not going to work, it's going to fail, why even bother, right? <laughs> so maybe, uh, for me, that's a more compelling or an equally compelling idea, right? That they, they, it's about disempowering people rather than about empowering a select group. But I don't, maybe, maybe it's two yeah. sides of the same thing, yeah. I think it's both, yeah. <laughs> the um, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting couple of years. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, if it's not for UAP, but it's just AI, yeah. you throw both in the mix and just, you have a win. Well, in general, yeah. <laughs> there is only one way I know of to keep up with the developments in AI, and that is if you want to know what AI can do right now, ask Brett because he spends all day on Twitter <laughs> following. Well, he's like the only. Uh, <laughs> If you Google, like, how do I do this with AI? The answer you get is out of date. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> it's it's not, just impossible. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I... Yeah. It's it's evolving really fast, and well, which is maybe, exciting. Maybe AI is evolving really fast because some of the technology have come from the UAP stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I is don't the know AI technology that? really that good? Mm. The only reason I... I, I I question that is because I I know some of the people that are involved in building this tech and I know where they got their origin and like who they learned from and mm -hmm. maybe those people were influenced but you know it may not be directly oh here's someone came here's a thing from UAP stuff go build it it could be that listen all humans are psychic. There are some psychic beings. Some diminish it. Some embrace it. Some actually use it without even realizing it. And tying this yeah. actually back into we say, oh, these sci-fi stories, Scientology, etc. Seems oh, it's interesting. We find these stories other places. And I mean, this I think the writers of science fiction very well maybe they may have picked pieces out of the matrix or the database of of reality to inform their stories. How do we know that? some of these scientists or programmers or developers aren't inadvertently doing the exact same thing in building AI, is that the information exists on a non-physical level. There's a layer where remote viewers were getting information, an informational layer that they don't even realize they're doing it, but they're pulling out this information about how AI should work or could work that maybe these crafts are even using, and they're building it in their own, th their own 
uh, projects. And so it may not even be conscious. Mm, and so I love that, I love that uh, idea. Because where, where do um, great creative works come from, right? And, and inventions. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. what's the phrase? People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. You mm -hmm. know, and, and it happens throughout history that two people who never met and are not, you know, other sides of the world, they both invent the same thing within a couple of years of each other. And one of them gets famous. Yeah. And then 100 years later, we're looking back going, oh, this poor overlooked person also invented the same thing at the same yeah. time. It's just when an idea is right, it, it will happen through yeah. whoever lets it happen. And the reason I know, it's I, like, know um, I, I like obviously I'm not going to dox anyone or say any names, but the reason I, I bring this no, up, do, I feel strongly do. about this, is <laughs> there are people I know working on this stuff that know about remote viewing that are naturally oh, no, psychic, and you know <laughs> they this is not lost on on some of these people that are building this stuff. So they, they know all about remote viewing. That's Obviously they sign. can't they can't talk about it publicly because it's, you know, too controversial and they don't want it to affect their work. Yeah. But um yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting field. And I think there is a lot of crossover potentially between those two fields. So the uh it reminds me of the Simpsons phenomenon a bit. Like I think that's what's going on with that whole thing, is you've got a bunch of creative people getting into flow state, writing, doing their with the experience again the intention of making fun of the future <laughs> like they want to they want to mock society and stuff that's happening in society so they're they're spinning up all their crazy ideas and probably part of the time they're harvesting actual psychic yeah. impressions just like whether they know like it or the not AI just like the ai generator right state. has the little randomness yeah. the little seed that can creep yeah. in the i'm not saying the simpsons writers uh, a random event generators you know i'm sure that much more talented than that, but there's that little space for creativity to go one way or the other, isn't it? And that's right. That's, I I really like that idea for an explanation of why they keep predicting the future because it's getting silly now, isn't it? It really is getting ridiculous. It's, yeah, the creative process is a psychic process. Like that's that's what I've noticed since starting remote viewing. Is even when I play bass now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm I'm channeling. That's what this is. Like, you're gonna you're gonna I'm, come I'm on and bringing energy do that through my body right? and. You're gonna come and yeah, yeah. I'll do, do that some psychic time. That'll be face fun. riffs because I saw you yeah. do that once before, and it's super cool. Like there should be more. Uh, I have There should really be more gigs like that, right? Where the audience sits know, there, yeah. and, and you know, the performer just chooses somebody and be like, "I'm just gonna play whatever's in your aura." You know, play your energy. I've been wanting. I've been wanting to do that, but I'm. I have a hard time focusing on like one person energetically when I'm in a crowd. Um, especially when I'm on stage in a crowd, I haven't I haven't practiced it enough. You got to get them to it's come the... and sit up on stage <laughs> next to you and be like, "Look, nope, yeah. no pressure. Just don't think about anything weird, right?" And then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I'm gonna try that. I'll try it with try it with the bandmates first. That'll be that'll be good practice. <laughs> no, it's it's wild what you can do. Like it's it. it I, I feel like when you're in that flow state, that's when that's when everything connects. That's when you're you're in you know the mystical state that is talked about in every religion. And yeah, it's it's flow state. That's and when you're there, that's when the magic happens. That's when you're connected to the greater field of information um, that underlies reality. The, the information layer, I guess you could call it. But yeah, it's it's good stuff. All right. 
Does anybody want to tell our audience the uh, the one true secret to understanding the phenomena, psychic functioning, and how the two relate? Or are we going to keep people guessing? Because if you guys aren't going to tell them, I think we should wrap it up. The one true secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody wants the truth, right? The truth. <laughs> Everything is consciousness. I like... I forgot where I heard this, but it's... I know. Actually, this was uh, this is a, a read the recent Elon Musk interview. Actually, it resonated. A thing that he mentioned. Where he's talking about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe and how he really liked that book. And the how, galaxy. The side the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And where the the computer of Earth basically spits out the answer is forty two, and mm. it's like, but they don't know what the question is, and. That may very well be the case when it comes to UAP stuff and even consciousness is that like we're getting hints of answers, but we still don't know the right question to ask. And I have a feeling those entire UFOs, aliens, consciousness is we we don't quite still know the right questions to be asking. That's what I feel. And so if we figure out those, that's when, especially as remote viewers, that's when perhaps we'll get even more insight and understanding, actual understanding, instead of glimpses of understanding, which is what we're kind of getting right now. That's my guess. So maybe we need to remove you. What's the correct question to ask? <laughs> That's a good one. And when AI takes all our jobs, we'll have lots of time for self-reflection. <laughs> no, it won't. There's going to be two jobs left, right? Remote viewers. AI can't no. remove you. Yeah, exactly. There's going to be people yeah. who know how AI works and remote viewers. That would be it. And well, I guess for a while, prostitutes. But I mean, even though get replaced at some point, <laughs> we got to replace the politicians with AI. That's that's the first step, I think. I mean, it couldn't do any worse, could it? Really? That's what I'm saying. But no, Give no. What chance. you'll have then is you'll have corporate AIs developed in order to hack the political AIs and it will be like a new version of lobbying except no human will be able to work out what's happening but suddenly everybody will have Coca-Cola <laughs> yeah. tattooed on their head and nobody will know why As maybe we don't want to go can go back real fast yeah, yeah. with the proper planning that's for sure absolutely <laughs> so I think we should wrap up Josh thank you for being our Josh today we we have more Joshes lined up I don't and know how many we've got at least three, three. Um, did you want to promote your a remote viewing course? Because I I had a look at it and it is awesome. It's really great. And we've been talking about consciousness Thank and you. stuff all night. And your course really goes into depth on how to approach that in a kind of open-minded way without being dogmatic about it. It's not just like, here is remote viewing. Follow these steps. Now you are a remote viewing. You know, <laughs> it's way broader and, and it really approaches that stuff from a, you know, going, here's how to experience it in an open way and make your own mind up and not accept what what I say is dogma, which I really appreciate because I think there should be more of that. So do you want to you well, say a bit about it? Sorry, I just, yeah. I just stole your thing. But Oh, that's nuts. <laughs> I, that's a beautiful description and I, and I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, kind of the culmination of my lifetime of interest in these topics and several years of pretty intense dedicated study and practice and uh and a year of putting together a course <laughs> but uh yeah no i do try to go into sort of the nature of consciousness stuff and create 
some foundational ideas, at least for people to kind of be able to take that ontological leap into the woo zone. Um, you know, expand the reality box a little bit, or at least, you know, cut a corner out of it here or there. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And then I, I mean, I go through the, ro the remote viewing process and teach it, you know, stage one to five, um, with my own kind of work that I've done as examples spliced in and just to show, show how I've done it, how I learned. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I think it's a good course. I think it's fun. And pe the people have gone through it so far are, are incorporating it into their artistic practices, which is, is kind of the goal. Like it's less, a, it's less a remote viewing nuts and bolts course than it is, uh, remote viewing as a tool for general intuitive development, um, is, is more what I would describe it as. And but, where, uh, where can people find yeah. it? You've got a cool new domain name, right? You've got a cool URL. Yes. I, I picked up rockstarintuition.com the other day. And everybody so will remember that. <laughs> everybody will website. remember Rockstar Intuition. Yeah, right. instead of redroom.thinkific slash spm slash course. Oh, Matt, are you hypnotizing me with this bullshit? What? I'm just trying to send you there, Rockstar man. Rockstar Intuition. I can manage that. It's good. Right on. Sweet. All right. No, thanks for having me, you, guys. You, you guys got are Rockstar all, are all... Intuition. I got Technical Intuition. We're all these intuition websites. Oh, nice. <laughs> well, intuition is what that. you have to say, right? Because if you say we're both viewing, people freak out and shut down. If you say they intuition, it, people are like, oh, I had that once. Oh, yeah. I, well, I do once. want more so of that. magic is. It's yeah. just intuition. Yeah. Man. <laughs> but yeah, no, and just people, people don't know you can train it. And I didn't know you could train it. Mm. I didn't realize I'd been training it by playing music all my life, which I think I have been. I think any creative Ooh, yeah. pursuit really is is working on your intuition. But um, yeah, no, it's a fun course and uh, I'm, I keep adding to it. And I'm going to add, uh, I think, six new targets before uh, January 1st. But, cool. And um, it's going to have the, yeah, the interpretive dance modules coming out next year, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll have to get my wife to help me with that one. <laughs> well, we I'm, look forward uh, to it. I, I hung up my dancing shoes long ago. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, Daz, Brett, is there anything that either of you would like to add before we wrap up? Um, just in the quote, to? yeah, a quote in the <laughs> in the vein of uh, Elon Musk: "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> that was such a good interview I love that interview I loved it yeah, as well that, that, that was fantastic oh, that made my week proud he was so authentic and just didn't yeah, care he was, which mm. is oftentimes you don't see in people that Absolutely. are on the public yeah. stage so, well that's why this podcast is so good right <laughs> exactly just just shooting shooting no uh, given yeah <laughs> Shooting around the table, yeah, just to what's on our mind. No, nothing uh, specific at the moment for me. I mean, I'm I'm definitely playing around a lot more with uh, AI and storytelling right now. Um, mm. If you want to follow kind of my journey in that, uh, you can just head over to my X account. It's just B Stewart TI. Uh, I'm posting a lot of stuff about my learnings there and what I'm experimenting with. What I'm hoping to do with a lot of these learnings in the near future is apply them to uh, my remote viewing data as well. So it should just be a kind of a fun way to, I've been experimenting, you know, with different types of storytelling, but, uh, just to make the actual, uh, data more engaging to a larger audience. And so having fun with it, you want to follow that head, just head over to x.com and, and look me up. That's about it. Sweet. Thank you. Right. Well, with that, Ben, I, I have found the duck of ineffable wisdom, which I will use to close out the show. If you're all prepared, let's have your eardrums destroyed. 
Here we go. <laughs> 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 <laughs>